Welcome to Food and Loathing, which I like to think of as food porn for your ears. The good news is you don't need to lube up your earbuds to enjoy it. <laughs> what if I want to? Uh, you do you, Rich. <laughs> okay. I'm your host, Al Mancini, coasting by, as usual, on the hard work of the people around me. And this week, those people are my co-host, OffTheStrip.com's culinary columnist extraordinaire, Samantha Gemini-Stevens. Hello, hey Gemini. How are you? I'm doing well. Great to see you again. Good to see you. It's Thanks for having like me at your party days. this past weekend. Thanks it was for joining awesome. us. We loved having yeah. you. We loved helping celebrate your award. Oh, yeah. I got a little... Um, a little journalism award this week so that was nice you thank you nevada press foundation you guys are <laughs> awesome um and i came by your party afterwards and it was rocking and rolling i will tell you it's the only time i've ever been at a party that somebody said that the reason they weren't getting naked was because i was there that really bothered me <laughs> oh man because usually i was the one that i'm usually the one that brings right? on the debauchery and the sex drugs rock and roll yeah. and whatever and so that yeah, really there were many cases of whiplash on that comment <laughs> yeah diana scared me diana i'm really sad i mean it's not like i was craving to see naked it or anything, but I didn't want to inhibit you. But we digress too much. Also, the only man we trust to protect us from overmodulation, distortion, phase reversal, and other technical problems I learned about in my undergrad radio classes. Our producer, engineer, and resident junk food junkie, the one and only guy who likes to lube up his earbuds, Mr. Rich Johnson. We now add that to the resume. That's Thank right. you very much. <laughs> We are coming to you today from the Vegas Valley Winery in the Henderson Booze District, and I'm amazed I haven't scared her away already with all this conversation. We have joining us Crystal Caston of Vegas Valley Winery and Grape Expectations. Thanks for hosting us today. Yes, happy to be here. Happy to have you. Thanks. Yeah. It's great to be had. It's really great to be back here. I have not been in this winery it's been a little while. I came here a lot during my time at the Review Journal. Okay. I've written several stories about it. I love what you do. Yep, here. I've heard your name before. You have both the great <laughs> grape expectations, where it's got a wine school. People make their own wines. Yes. Then you have your own winery, where you guys make your own. I know that you, um, or at least at one point, you were using a lot of Nevada grapes, grapes that were grown in Nevada. I don't know if that's still happening over here. We have a little bit. Um, primarily, though, everything comes from California. But we will have a wine coming out very soon that is Nevada Grapes. Um, it's got a nice art label, so it will be something to check out. So right. just a little teaser there and stay tuned on that one. Very right. cool. Tell me about this red you uh, you had to uh, go to the back for, for me, because I said, I don't want a white, I want a red. Yes, so you are drinking the La Casa Cuvée, yeah. which basically means our house blend, and it's primarily Barbera. How's it tasting? Very, very nice. Good, good, good. What's this uh, going to run me a bottle? That is only $32 a bottle. I want to just buy, uh, I want you to sell me two bottles before. Okay, sounds right. good. Hustle and hustle. And I love it. And <laughs> we've go. got on Gemini's request yeah. a little bit of Riesling. Oh, dry the lovely Riesling. whimsical. Yeah, dry Riesling, she said, because I don't care for the sweet. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about this one. Yes, yeah, so that's called Whimsical. It's got a nice little name, probably tastes a little whimsy in your mouth. Um, so it is an off dry Riesling. Mm-hmm. So it's not too dry, it's not too sweet. It's just kind of that perfect in between, usually a favorite with all of our regulars and locals. Um, just perfect on a hot day or in the middle of the afternoon. So if you don't mind me asking, I remember at one point I've made a lot of wine here and it's all mm-hmm. red. Yes, when now you do you're the doing wines. So that are you mm-hmm. just doing that in house or are you doing that in the winemaking classes as well? So 
in the winemaking school, Grape Expectations, you can only make red wine. Got it. Because we can tuck those in a barrel, let them go to sleep for a little bit. The equipment isn't as, you know, time consuming, take up too much space, um, different than the whites. But when you visit Vegas Valley Winery, we do have a dry Riesling. We've got Sauvignon Blanc. We've got sweet Riesling, Rosé, red wine, hard cider. So we've got a much bigger variety in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you do. You, could you explain what's going on in the winemaking side of it, the grape expectations? What is involved if somebody's listening to this saying, oh, that'd be badass to make mm-hmm. my own wine. I didn't know this existed in the Henderson Booze District. What's involved with it? Like how much of a commitment, time, money, you know, is it months of my life? Or do I have to come back and check on these things? How's it work? Yes. So we are actually kicking off our California harvest this Saturday, October 1st. So anybody who is interested can come by do some wine tasting at Vegas Valley Winery, and then get a tour of Grape Expectations. The winemaking process is nine months long, and you visit us four times. So first you come for your crush, where you actually have your grapes in hand, put them in the crusher, takes all the seeds and stems out, goes into a nice red fermentation tank. You meet KJ, the professor. He tells oh, you about all professor. that. Yes. <laughs> um, and it sits there for a week. You come back exactly a week later for your press, press your wine into your barrel. It sits for a few months. You come back for racking, which is a lot of fun. Everybody likes that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then a couple months later, you actually bottle your own wine. So nine months all together, it's a young wine. We tell you to take it home, lay it down on its side, let it age a little bit longer. Usually around Thanksgiving, it's ready. Not of this year, obviously of next year. <laughs> um, but it's a lot of fun. You bring friends, food, wine. It's very social. Oh, yeah, we always made it a party. Mm-hmm. And bottling was fun because you would have two or three groups at a time sort of like shifting in and out behind each other. And people would just cross over and share stuff to party with and maybe maybe switch out a bottle of wine or something. Yep. So yeah, yep. it very much is a community oriented. So yeah, we'll oriented. be bustling. The grapes just arrived today. So they're actually out on the floor. Um, it's a really fun time. You do can I make get your to own label. My own grapes? <laughs> you do not. <laughs> like that's all I, I know. Want I know. Making, you know. Everybody I, wants to do that, and we'll have to bring some kind of event into the works so where we actually stomp the grapes. Um, but you can come do plunging, which you're gonna while it's yep. fermenting. You're gonna come in with this big plunger type thing and push your grapes yeah. down, let it oxygenate. Um, Stopping no, going. plunging yes. Sounds yes. like some New York apartments. Yeah, right? <laughs> Absolutely. A lot of New York apartments. But yeah, definitely come check it out. It's a lot of fun. And then for those who may not be the do-it-yourselfers, but they do like to drink, um, what I love is you know the Henderson Booze District. You know, A lot of people, I, I don't know if it's in the spotlight as much right now because you know we're yeah. paying a lot of attention to what's happening in the Arts District. There are a lot of great breweries down in the Arts District. Yes. But we should never forget that the Henderson Booze District was such a pioneering neighborhood and there are three or four breweries in here there are you guys with your winery in mm-hmm. here we have a distillery in here it's yes. a great little office park in henderson kind of off the beaten path uh you take your uber over however you want to get here your designated driver and then you hop from place to place and it really is a fun way to explore some vegas created sp- beverages that are intoxicating. Yeah, it's kind of off the beaten path. Um, But yeah, three breweries, a distillery, a winery, a meadery. They're new. That's right. So yep, we've got a meadery. meadery. Yep, Deadwood Meadery. So you got to check them out as well. We do booze crawls. So you can come get a passport, uh, go around to each business. Sometimes there's costumes, 
cool stuff. As someone who has only been here a couple of times, and I see these buildings, and I say, this is where, like, brake pad manufacturers <laughs> live or something like that. How do the, yes. the, the people who built these light and industrial modular uh, buildings react when all of a sudden wineries and breweries and distilleries <laughs> started showing up? Yes, they're kind of just, you know, a mishmash of kind of weird stuff in here. If they're getting but... the rent, I'm betting they're happy. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. And the people, you know, making the brake pads like to drink still. So <laughs> it works out. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's well, a symbiotic relationship. Yes. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for, um, first of all, for hosting us. We're going to have one of your um, frequent contributors, Alicia, in, in a little later in the show. So it was great Perfect. to be able to meet her here. To have her t- she'll be telling us about her, her happy hours that you guys do and some of the special events. Thank yes. you so much. Thanks for bringing us a little bit of vino. And we're going to get kicking into our next segment where we talk about all the food we're eating. So thank you so okay. much for having me. You are welcome. And, and, Thanks. And here's Thank you my so visa, much. by the way. Here's it. <laughs> Perfect. For I'll those who can't see it, he actually did hand her a credit card. Handed over the <laughs> He's bringing home some vino. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Crystal. I really appreciate being here. Okay. So, of course, now is that time in the show where we try to make you all hungry and jealous and envious or whatever. To go with being thirsty. To go with being thirsty. I was going to say. (laughs) So, um, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about things that we did this week. Um, Gemini, why don't you kick it off? You had the big party. Yeah. So, did a few things this week. But, yeah, the big one was, uh, you guys have heard us talk about on this show the past couple of weeks, we had our end of summer pig roast. So, we had a whole hog on a spit. We had a whole lamb on a spit. We hung chickens and ducks and rabbits and we smoked things and cooked things over the fire. Um, had a great. Oh, I smoked things. <laughs> uh, the drinks were flowing. The people were amazing. We had perfect weather. Uh, so yeah, it just worked out really, really well. And I was so happy to see you guys there. That really kind of made my day yeah. to get to see you outside of work. Although Who? is this really work? And I should know her <laughs> from a past show. Uh, the woman Christina is that who it was? Who just was not thrilled with the timing of the mama couple of those things. Mama stepped in. Mama Christine and Ewan, um, yeah. Yeah, so she, she got had, out her thermometer and she she's did. sticking it up the ass of the <laughs> have, goat have and the pig. And, will the, travel. and just everywhere. And then uh, shoveling coals left and right to get those things fired up some I turned around more. and she had sort of taken over the open fire pit and I was not mad at that. So <laughs> uh, I'm still working on what to do to make nice and, and really thank her for that. And she's just going, man, <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> no, it was an amazing event and so many foodies there. I got there a little late um but you know so some people had left and some people were contemplating getting naked but and that's always a good time <laughs> to get to soon. a party but um man you you were like you were the the center of the culinary universe that night oh, absolutely it's always so much fun i'm really really lucky to know so many amazing people not only who are in food and drink but just love food and drink and so they get creative in their home kitchens they get creative at the bar and they love to come out nobody ever meets a stranger and that's the biggest thing for me that's probably why it's the one big party i throw every year Super easy to get people together, and it just kind of runs itself, and it makes it so much more, so much more of a happy place. Cool. Any other good meals? Um, yeah, yeah. So just a quick shout out to Anima. I know we talk about them a lot. Uh, I talked about them last Monday when they opened for lunch, but I wanted to make a note that I just really appreciated something they did for us. A bunch of us went to dinner on Wednesday night. Uh, one of our guests, a uh, friend of a friend, had a severe nightshade allergy. Like nothing around it. And I contacted Roberto and he stepped up. My friend got his own tasting menu to go along with our tasting menu. Dishes were very similar so he could kind of stay on the vibe. And I just am really grateful for the work that they put in for something like that. So I had to mention that. 
Um, Friday, uh, we went to uh, Hugo's down in the basement at Four Queens for some cocktails. Hugo's cellar. You still got your flour? That, uh, did you get yeah, a flour to I leave with? I didn't get a flour because we weren't eating there, but uh, we did have yeah. some drinks Cheap there. Bastards. And my favorite bartender over there is Dino. Um, he makes the best drinks out, I think, in downtown Las Vegas. And they're old style. They come with a little extra and a carafe on the mm-hmm. side. So a single is usually a triple, and it's a good night. They're big yeah. on gimlets there, right? Am I Everything, remembering correctly? Yes, he yeah. makes a pretty fantastic gimlet. Yeah. Uh, wasn't drinking that wine that night, or I would have talked to Sommelier John. Um, but after that, uh, we didn't want to cook for ourselves. We didn't want to clean up, again, because the party was mm-hmm. the next day. So John was at the Aviators game with people for work. So my house guests and I went to Fa OC on Sahara. Uh, I've only had them a few times, but they never, never fail. Um, we had a seafood pho and a beef pho, and we had some extra added tendon, I think. And But all the meats, all the veg, the sauces were really great. Really enjoyed it. The only thing that was difficult, and this is going to sound really bad, but we tried everything, so forgive me, audience. We ordered these snails. And usually if I order sea snails or something like that, I think of the big ones where you can use your chopsticks and either dig it out or a fork, you know, if you're eating smaller escargot. These were so tiny, and I forget the name, but there was nothing we could do to dig anything out, suck anything out, or yeah. blow anything out of these shells. So the sauce... Been there. <laughs> the sauce was really, really brilliant, and so we ended up just, like, eating the sauce off the shell because we couldn't get the meat out of the snails. Um, I, I like it when they come in the little <laughs> snail trays, right? Oh, yeah. Like, right. Just already a, done for you. Well, yeah, scargot or just a butter and garlic delivery. Exactly. Yes. That's what they're there for. Yes. Yeah. So I, love, I love Asian preparation of snails, but for the life of us, we couldn't get it out of there. And one of my house guests is, as she put it herself, a little Chinese girl, and she should have been able to do that, and she couldn't. None of us had, yeah. had any luck. Um, I did buy some caviar from Nina last week. I interviewed her for the uh, podcast this week. We're going to be talking about that in a little bit. So that helped kind of alleviate the, de- the, the disappointment. <laughs> so we opened a bottle of champagne from the boys at Garage's downtown, and Friday was saved. No. Um, I also wanted to make a note. Um, you know, I had a patty melt recently at Jam's restaurant. Wow. It's exactly what you thought it would be. I actually was really impressed. The bread was crispy. The meat was perfectly medium rare. They're generous with all the toppings. But the the sorry. <laughs> there's a butt coming here. Know, um, she's like trying to be nice, and she, <laughs> she doesn't to want nice. to be nice. The, the but patty melt was, was seasoned wonderfully. Everything about the sandwich was great. But it came with this coleslaw that at first I was kind of excited because I like the creamier coleslaws, but not so overdressed. And the first bite, I was thinking, okay, we're there. And then it stopped. <laughs> it needed salt. It needed pepper. It needed a hit of vinegar. It already had the sweetness. So that would be my only complaint there. Um, but randomly, I also got to taste their sausage gravy, not with the sandwich, but just separately. It mm-hmm. took a spoonful from somebody else. Uh, and it was perfect. Seasoned perfectly, no complaints, actual chunks of sausage, not the little crumbly bits, um, and really smooth all the way through. It didn't taste powdery, any of those things that you get from a lot of diners, and I am a sucker for country gravy. Something you put on a biscuit, right? Absolutely. Or chicken fried steak. Yes. So I'm thinking I'm just going to have to make a a breakfast endeavor over there um, So I'm not familiar with Jams. You mentioned it's the southwest corner, Albertson Shopping Center, Rainbow in Charleston. But what is, is this just a diner? It's just a diner. Yeah. yeah, it's tucked into, so if you're facing the Albertsons, it's on the far left side on the corner of that parking lot. 
Um, and it's just a diner, and it's been there for as long wow. as I've been in Vegas, I think, which has been almost 17 Rich, years. Rich, how have you not found this place? I am uh, just asking good. myself that very same well, question. Well, then I, th I think we <laughs> have to have a breakfast outing, Rich. I yeah, know yeah. we don't live far from each other. I do love yes. breakfast food, so perfect I think idea. we need to go and give them uh, an another chat and another or another chance and another chat, maybe. Kick out the so. jams, baby. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Little MC5 yeah. kicking in there. <laughs> My the generation. White Panthers there. Um, and okay. one last sentence really quick um we did have uh the please send noodles cookbook book club gathering last night that we've been talking about for the past couple weeks it was really not last night sorry monday night it was really great um chef lanny did a fantastic noodle demo everybody was super engaged we brought in new people that said that they had heard about it on this podcast Whoa. which made me Woo. really happy so shout out to all of you guys um yeah people brought all kinds of great stuff to put in there we had all the noodles all the broths it was perfect so please find us on facebook by searching please send noodles with three, three exclamation, exclamation points. points. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're also now on Twitter at PSN Book Club LV. So let us know. Awesome. Cool. Well, man, it sounds like you've been eating a lot. It's been, even it's with been throwing a, busy a party. Week. <laughs> Good for you. Rich, what about you, my brother? Time to get back to my fast food, yes. junk food portfolio. I live vicariously through you for that. Uh, I went to Dave's Hot Chicken. Uh, the one on Sahara, a bit east of the 215. The 215, excuse me. Uh, sorry, the, the infection of the uh, definitive article describing <laughs> yes. freeway, which yes. is only sort of a Southern California thing, but now it's metastasized. Well, yeah. Sorry about that, to, uh, to Las Vegas. The 215. No, it's no. not a 215. No, no. Which I'm sure there are multiple 215s. Yes, there are. I mean, Every city uh, along 15. 15 is a spur. Yes. <laughs> it's the second, the first yeah, yeah. spur off of 15. Yeah, yeah. They're, the O's are, are loops. The, the ones are spurs. Yes, and then old traffic reporter from forty plus oh years ago. But you know, I'm from Pennsylvania, where fours we had and fives, and, and then oh the one in Pennsylvania we had ninety five, two ninety five, yeah. three ninety. We have up to six ninety five, right? Like real. You also had named <laughs> ones that if you weren't a, a, a native, you didn't know what they were. Chicago's like that. Hey, you get off the Edens, you get to the uh, the Dan Ryan, and go over to the uh, the, the FDR. Uh, what do you do? I don't we know. have just gone down a yeah, I know. Sorry, okay. rabbit hole. Jeez. Oh, anyway, All right, drive it back, Rich. All drive right. it back. Uh, Dave's uh, fried chicken. Nice story. A guy named. Dave Kapushian. He was a chef in the Thomas Keller organization. He and a couple of friends started with a tiny stand in East Hollywood. They don't say how many years ago, but I assume it's a few because now they are coast to coast. It was actually and beyond. not that long ago, but I, I, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I found it in New York, in Charlotte on this website, and one in Dubai. There you go. <clears throat> Next time we're in Dubai. <laughs> there you go. So it is chicken. It is a big ass uh, breast strip or a slider. Uh, on a plate, you get both. And that was a little problem because either one is a meal. You talk about oh, portions yeah. being out of control, which we'll talk about later. Their their go to is one slider, one strip. Well, it should be one slider or one strip. They're and they're, the same they're huge. They are huge. Thing. It's just the bread. Oh, it's, okay. I mean, like, I, I was they're, they're really exactly the same. I see aren't slider, they? and I still like yeah. an idiot. Uh, Assume it'll be small. Like yeah. flounder, size, you know, like yeah. flounder in Animal House. I fucked up. I trusted them. Yeah. A slider would be like a three-inch thing. This is like a five-inch thing oh, with the same size as the regular breast sticking out of both ends. Mm -hmm. Let's say you know it's very uh, nice, juicy. Part of that is the fact that it's been brined forever, which makes it very salty, mm -hmm. and then dipped into a um, you know it's a very light butter batter. Uh, five? No, they have six different uh, sauce. Heat okay. levels, or you can get it with nothing on it. Uh, I got it hot, which was in the the middle, and it was fine. And you know, it's it's these are just not for me. But I thought I would take one for the team and give it a try. And <laughs> as these go, 
this is just fine. Yeah, you you know, there are two here in Las Vegas, just to jump in really quickly. I spoke about to the owners of Dave's on the Strip last December when it opened. We may have played a bit of that on this podcast, but it's worth noting the one on Sahara, which that's the one yeah. you visited, that is a corporate store. Um, the Strip store is a franchise. And those friends who founded the place that you were talking about, yeah. I thought it was four of them, but I think you said three. You may be correct. Um a year ago, or almost a year ago, they'd already signed deals for over 500 of those stores. 500 As of stars. last December, okay? Wow. So that's, that's they have they their going. act down very well, I have to say, as presentation, decor. Uh, you know, you, you buy that, you buy the whole deal, sure. deal, and you're ready to go. So, you know, again, chicken strips and the hot chicken thing is not my deal. I went there because I was going to go have uh, chicken on the bone, and I wanted to go to churches, which I had not been into in, in several years. The line was out the door. The drive-thru was out on the street there at uh, Spring Mountain in Decatur. It's about three churches around the valley. What do they put the in the chicken? I don't know, but, uh, you know, I, did, I just, always think it's one of the, it's, it's, it's the sure. plainest of, of the bunch of Popeyes of KFC. I mean, it's a fried chicken place that doesn't, that doesn't try to burn your taste buds off to, yeah, you know, prove that, that you're exactly. cool. So it might even not, taste like chicken that's a, good a little bit here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I made up for that on the way here. Stopped at the KFC on Tropicana and had, uh, you know, three-piece original, and it uh, it satisfied my urge. Okay. Shall we say? Uh, one other quick breakfast note. The Baguette Cafe, that uh, hard-to-find little joint off 215 and then—oh, excuse me, off the 215. The 215 <laughs> at Durango. And yeah. Durango, middle of an office park. It survived COVID. It's been going on like 13 years in that joint because they have five office buildings right there. Uh, there are coming up on one year in Henderson at Eastern and Horizon Ridge Parkway, not far from the brand new Bodega Bagel. Yeah. I had a wonderful omelet on a croissant breakfast sandwich accompanied by strong, deep, wonderful black coffee, French roast, I would think. And that was the uh, worth the effort to find that place. I have to be in Henderson tomorrow. I think I might have to pop over there. Bingo. It's kind of hiding behind uh, another little breakfast joint and a Subway and a couple of other. Okay. And I think there's a Roberto's there, too. That'll help me look for it. Thank you. Yeah. Baguette Cafe. Very cool. I like those guys yeah. a lot. Um, okay. I've had a busy week. Uh, I went straight from recording last week's episode to the M Resort, where I sat down with the VP and general manager of the M, uh, Hussein Marus. And we sat down in what will soon be known as the Nighttime Hockey Bar. As we told you last week, this is a Henderson Silver Knights-themed bar that will hold its grand opening celebration on October 5th. And here's what Mr. Marus told me about it. In March of this year, we embarked on a partnership with the Henderson Silver Knights and uh, the Nighthawks, the Indoor Football League team. And we love them as partners. The Dollar Loan Center is amazing. Hockey has taken over the Valley. The Valley loves hockey. Obviously, it has a lot to do with the Golden Knights and their storybook 2017 season. Uh, But when you go to Lifeguard Arena... When you go to City National Arena, there's just hockey everywhere. Youth hockey, adult hockey, travel hockey. And I knew, and I, I believe we all knew, that the city would truly embrace the Silver Knights as their, the, the Henderson team, as the AHL team, as our new home team. And I thought of nothing better than to take our existing bar and transform it into a Silver Knights bar. Uh, the bar itself has amazing bones. We've got 96 beers on tap, which is a rarity in the city in general, probably the only one outside of the Strip. Um, And and that's a great starting point. But this bar had no identity. It's a great casino bar. It's got, again, good bones and a good look, but really no hook and no theme. And I saw the Silver Knights as the vehicle to take this bar to the next level, but also give our partners, the Silver Knights, uh, a showpiece uh, for their partnership with us. So what can people expect when they come here for a Silver Knights experience? Yep. So first and foremost, we replaced every single TV in here. So we went 
bigger and better, newer for all of our TVs. You're going to see almost 40 TVs in this little bar space where you can watch any game at any time, and it's going to have a great view. Uh, beyond that, you know, we have the standard Silver Knights, uh, you know, decor. We've got signed jerseys. We've got inaugural jerseys. We've got helmets. We've got skates, sticks, pucks, the whole deal. But also, the little accoutrements that I think set the bar apart. So, the tabletops are all going to be hockey rink theme, uh, themed and really cool. I don't know how to describe it without you seeing it, but it's going to be a really nice black table where you can almost see inside of it, and there's going to be hockey lines from, a, from an ice rink built into the table. And if you put two tables together, they make one complete rink. When you walk in, the handrails that take you into the bar are going to be custom hockey uh, stick handrails. That we're literally taking wooden hockey sticks, chopping them up, and, and inlaying them into these, uh, into these guardrails so that it's just that nice extra thing that you don't get anywhere else. Uh, I want to take the best of all kinds of bars. So we got the 96 beers on tap. We've got tons of TVs. We've got all the packages for all sports. But we're going to have a pool table. We're going to have bubble hockey. We're going to have golden tea. Uh, we're setting up the back of the bar in the penalty box area where we're going to have eight brand new TVs. And you can sit there and you can control the TVs. You can control the volume. If the Golden Knights are playing and you want to watch the Montreal Canadiens, you can. If the Canadiens are playing and you want to watch football, you can watch that. We have every package for every sport, and you control that little area yourself without having to hopefully go to your local bar and hope that your out-of-market game is on or hope that they're going to give you a spot to watch them. And they actually brought me out a ton of food to preview the menu after that interview, but I didn't have time to enjoy much of it because I had to head over to the Cosmopolitan for a cocktail demo by Andrew Pollard, who is once again running yes. their bar program. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, so he's amazing. And of course, he was at the Cosmopolitan and it's, you know, early days. He's He was at Wynn for a while, breakthrough beverage. Um, you know, this was the deal. You know that you know you're going to get in trouble. And I was texting Rich from this event. <laughs> you know you're going to get in trouble. I was butt texting you. I believe, absolutely, uh, yeah, from this be. event. Um, when they send ride shares for all the journalists. Oh, yeah, I right? think I was on that one. <laughs> yeah, and um, I actually didn't get a ride share. Yeah. You know, I, we've made a point that I don't really drink. You yep. know, I will gladly take a sip yeah. from a cocktail. Sure. There were 14 fucking cocktails. <laughs> I could not take a sip from oh my each gosh. cocktail, yeah. right? If you took a sip like, from each of 14 cocktails, you're still looking at three or four cocktails, depending yeah. on how they're made. Yeah, so right I there. watched, I took videos, I <laughs> took pictures. They were all beautiful. Evil we, and responsible. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> we drove, um, you know, we dr the, everybody drank in um, the chandelier bar on the mezzanine I level, which was great. Yeah. Then went over to Ghost Donkey. We had a good time, and it was awesome. So thank you to all of you guys. Look at my social media page; you'll see some of the videos. Um, Sue and I also had tickets to see Mad Apple Circus by Cirque or Mad Apple. Excuse me, Mad Apple is the name of the show by Cirque du Soleil on Friday. That was a lot of fun. We did the early show, followed it up with a visit to Bavette's, which is honestly a perfect mm. post theater meal. Yeah. We began with that peppered duck and goat cheese terrine that I oh. love so much oh. served now with apricot mustarda and a thick slightly charred toast Sue had a classic Chicago cut ribeye I had the fried chicken which is really oh. really good a spiced fried chicken I should also note that at $36.99 that is the most affordable entree on the menu it's not why I ordered it but it is definitely helps keep the check average down yeah. when someone else in your party is you know eating the steaks and I should mention <laughs> the steaks at buffets run from $55 to $99 before the enhancements like Got it. peppercorn yeah. Yeah. Etc. I really love Bavettes. I'm happy to pay those prices, but again, know what know what you're going into when you're going. In. I have peeked my head in there a couple of times and want to do it, but I just the time has never been right. But I'll try to make the time. It's a lot of fun. It's got a good vibe. It's a classic. Almost, yeah. A, yeah it, it's. I've, 
it's just it's such a classic steakhouse <laughs> vibe. You know, the Tiffany lamps, yeah. the bar in the center, the um, a little the, bit of Art Deco. The dark where you can't even it. see the menu. Super dark. <laughs> you would never know you were right off the casino floor. A lot of people don't know that if you walk, the main bar is right in the middle of the main dining room. But if you walk to the back, there's almost, I don't want to call it a speakeasy, but there's a removed bar in the back that's oh. also a lot Oh, I like fun. those, yeah. So check that out okay. as well. Um, so I love that. I also visited both Bodega Bagel and Bagel Mania to prep for an appearance on Morning Blend. Keep your eyes open for that appearance. I think it's going to air around Yom Kippur. Uh, also, to address the elephant in the room, I know a lot of people don't patronize Bagel Mania because of the accusations going against the family with regard to how they've treated tenants during the pandemic. Look, those are certainly some ugly accusations. If they're proven to be true, I hope people are punished. But since I know people are going to complain, why am I talking about Bodega Bagel? My personal policy, or not Bodega, excuse me, we love Bodega, they're awesome. Um, Seagull's Bagel Mania, Seagull's I know Bagel some people Mania. may complain about that. You know, my personal policy is to reserve judgment until the authorities investigate, trust those authorities to punish, etc. So one of these days, I want to have a long discussion about how we let the actions of a restaurant's employees or owners affect our decision to eat there. And I'm looking at you, Chick-fil-A. Yes. But um, it's a complex issue. I'm pretty sure I've already asked Kim Foster to come on when we do have that discussion i think she'd be a fun person to get into a kind of semi-heated but polite back and forth on it for now i was talking bagels they have some of the best bagels in vegas at least according to the pros i surveyed for neon feast <laughs> i like them as well myself so that is why we talked about them yeah just that's, in case that's going to be a good show because you know I, i've struggled once in a while over the last many years with soda stream i love my soda stream making a lot of fizzy water at home without the fizzy oh, yeah, water I have cans and all that but the owner it's an israeli company founded way back when and their principal plant was for many years in israeli occupied palestinian oh, territory wow. they did close that about five years ago pepsi bought them their main plant now is in israel proper yeah. but of course then when they closed that plant they threw a lot of palestinians out of work yeah. to to appease or whatever the people who were protesting them being there in the first place so it's a win win lose lose who the hell knows thing but we've we can come up with five or six of these things yeah. especially in the restaurant world yeah. that are worthy of discussion it's worth Absolutely. a discussion and you know yeah. i don't begrudge anybody their own personal morality and their ethics on that i just hope that you know i we, we don't get so judgmental that this is the hill i've chosen to stand on and everyone needs to stand on exactly the one that i stand on you know and that, yeah. that's where it gets problematic we got a lot of hills for you here yeah i also <laughs> dropped by atomic liquors to try their new pizza it's part Ooh. of an entire new yeah. menu they've rolled out at the bar and in the kitchen at Atomic, which apparently is no longer functioning as an independent higher-end restaurant. It's kind of morphed into an over, overflow space, game-viewing space, private event space, um, and they're sharing a menu between these. The pizza is Detroit-style. It is damn good. It's a spin on Detroit, I should say. It's not straight-up Detroit, okay. but it's damn good. And here's what Atomic's director of operations, Chris Katera, has told me about it. We're trying to be as ready for uh, all the awesome food and drinks that anybody could want in our community. We've had a lot of... Uh, a lot of great feedback with our burgers, our tacos, and we felt like, hey, what's next? We wanted to have a great little downtown pizza option for our spot as well. Um, so we're doing kind of like a uh, like a hybrid Las Vegas style, utilizing a Detroit crust, um, and we got some. We've been having a lot of fun with it, and a lot of great feedback so far. What's the menu in general looking like these days at Atomic and at the kitchen? Here at Atomic right now, we're doing like an elevated bar food menu. Uh, we have a lot of freshly prepared ingredients. We have over 10 sauces that we make here in-house. All the marinades, all the breading and battering are, is all things that we're doing in-house. Try to stay real conscious with a bunch of plant-based options. And I uh, have some killer cauliflower wings, killer mushroom tacos. 
And uh, I say the uh, idea of just having uh, the ability to serve some fun stuff for everybody that walks in the door is definitely our goal. And bravo to Table 34's new executive chef, Joe Valdez, along with Chef John Church and Bordeaux Bob Cranston on an amazing secret burger pop-up dinner. I'm not going to go into details on dishes that you won't be able to order in the future. But it I think was, that's fair. Yeah, right? But it was great. And after the meal was over, Valdez told me that this meal was something of an official launch or coming out party for the new regime at Table 34. Well, of course we want to do something with Bob and Johnny. I idolize Johnny Church, uh, but this was for us more about coming out at Table 34, you know, a new era here in this restaurant. And we wanted to let folks know that we're here and we're here to stay and we're here to evolve the food and evolve the service. So what should people expect who are familiar with Table 34 for many, many years? What should they expect from the new direction? Well, they should honestly expect higher quality food, um, you know, amazing service from Constantine and the front of the house staff and, and a few of their old fan favorites. For those who may never have tried Table 34, how would you describe what this restaurant's all about? Well, we're all about taking care of our local guests. Uh, you know, anybody who steps in our door is family to us. And, you know, um, we're, we're really focused on American food and comfort food and, and just really making everybody feel at home. Nina Manchev of Forte Tapas is introducing a fun and delicious new way to share the spotlight and the kitchen. And we get to know chef and cookbook author Alicia Shevatone. This is Food and Loathing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. Want the strip? Off strip? Downtown? Great views? Great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. And joining me for this segment here at the Vegas Valley Winery is Alicia Shevatone. Did I pronounce that right, Alicia? Alicia Shevatone, you got it. Awesome. Thank you so much for um, giving me the pronunciation so I didn't <laughs> mangle your name. Thanks. Um, Alicia, for those who may not know, is the creator of and the principal of Dink Cuisine. She does a lot of culinary pop-ups here in Las Vegas. Um, actually... I guess I've seen you describe yourself, Alicia, as a pop-up chef and a cookbook author. So could you, rather than me try to explain what that means, because I, I see all your events around town, but could you explain exactly what that means? Yeah, you know, it, it just means that I like to do events. You know, uh, pop-up chef isn't tied to a brick and mortar, you know, so I, I like to go around from venue to venue here in the Vegas area and just create culinary experiences that are new and different every time. And yes, I'm a cookbook author. I actually just signed um, a deal for my third cookbook, which is going to be coming out September 2023. So I'm really excited. So Ooh, that's congratulations. Be number three. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you. Oh, so you have two. Um, you have a cooking for two, I believe. Italian right? cookbook Italian for two. Cookbook for two, mm-hmm. and then you have another one, which is like being a vegan keto person. Or it's, <laughs> it's something that I totally don't understand. So tell me about that as well. It's please. quite a niche. It's vegetarian ketogenic cookbook for <laughs> beginners, and yeah, I was actually a hired gun for that cookbook. Rockridge Press has a different business model where they essentially present outlines and they look for subject matter experts. And I actually have a lot of vegetarian and vegan um, and keto and paleo recipes on my website. So they decided I would be a great person to author that cookbook. So yeah, that came out in October of last year. So, you know, you and I first chatted about possibly doing this podcast and collaborating on things months ago. And um, since then, I see you everywhere. (laughs) I mean, you had at the time I knew you were doing these appy hours, kind of appetizer hours that you host. And I know that you do them here, the Vegas Valley Winery, which is why we're here today. Um, You did a big pop up over at the Sahara not that long ago. Um, Could you talk about some of the specific events that you do during your pop ups, please? Yeah, so, I mean, and they really are venue dependent. You know, I did uh, a bourbon bash at Star Lounge um, on Sammy Davis, like right by the right by the mall, which is a cute little piano bar. Yeah, it's Eduardo Cordova's place. Yeah. And he's awesome. And yeah. he's a guest, a friend of the show. Absolutely. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, and so in that particular case, it was pretty much just all me, you know, kind of building the menu. Um, you know, Sahara Las Vegas was a little bit different in the sense that they wanted to do something for Mexican Independence Day. So that was a true collaboration between me and Chef Juan Villa. Um, and, you know, I presented my ideas that were like a super, super long list, and he was able to kind of distill it down, <laughs> a lot of the things that I wanted with his own inspiration. Um, so, you know, uh, things, you know, that have to do with happy hours, like here at the, at the winery, I just like to do three different appetizers paired with three of their wines, and we change the menu every time. So it's a new, and ex- you know, it's a new experience every time, which is cool because if somebody's into that concept and they like tasting new things, and pairing different things with wine every single time they come it's going to be different so we love that stickiness of having you know our regulars come every other month we're here like clockwork and we do this so and we've been doing this for a year and a half so it's been really fun now are these events that you do are they cooking demos or are they just guest chef type of situations they're just guest chef situations i've done cooking classes in the past um and actually i have been approached um to do some private chef um experiences there there is a an organization called Food Forks and Knives um, that is more like private chef in home, you know, kind of watch me cook type of thing, and not necessarily a cooking class, but more private chef, which is super interactive. So I'm actually going to be building a program through that platform um, that's going to be loosely based on concepts of you know here in Las Vegas, like I'm going to have a high roller menu that's going to have five different courses that include caviar, price point three four hundred dollars a person, that sort of thing. Um, but I've also done, you know, cooking classes and I'm available on lessons.com for cooking classes. So I do get a lot of inquiries through that. Um, currently have five stars out of five stars. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. Well, let's start with, um, how you got into this. One thing you and I have in common is we are both, um, survivors of law school yes. right? and graduates, I believe. I don't, did you graduate? Yes, I did. Yes, okay. Me too. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that was rough. Okay, I was, when did I graduate? 95, I believe. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. um, and we're both interested in food right now. You're doing a lot more than I'm doing um, as far as the actual preparation of it, which is good because you don't want me to prepare food. But uh, how did you get from there to where you are right now? 
You know, I tell you, my, my family was in the restaurant business for years. My uncle, who recently passed, had Carl's Diner up in Eureka. And, you know, the 101, it was a legendary spot. And uh, he closed that, I believe, in the 90s. My grandparents were in the restaurant business in downtown San Jose. They had three different businesses. My grandfather's side of the family had French. She, you know, I'm half French, half Italian. French side was in Southern California. They had restaurants. Um, and, you know, it was always sort of in my world. But I was sort of raised with academics and and, and always thought, well, I'm going to be a lawyer when I grow up. And then when I got to law school, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I, I don't like this. What am I going to do? So it was kind of like, OK, with a liberal arts degree, what am I going to do? Um, but then I spent, you know, a career in sales, kind of worked my way up, you know, to kind of CEO level, um, had C-suite positions. And during the pandemic, um, I had a lot of time on my hands. And that's when, having you know written for most of my life, I decided to really double down on my website, dinkcuisine.com, which I created in 1997. Really loaded up with recipes, start getting a you know table of contents together. Then I self-published Italian Cookbook for Two. Then Rockridge came calling, you know, and before I knew it, people are asking me to do events. It's like, oh, can you come and do you do private chef stuff? It's like. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I do now if you're asking, right? <laughs> People are offering me, you know, TV shows. Then Sin City Kitchen came, you know, then I became a regular on The Moore Show, you know, which I've been doing for the past year and a half. Uh, Sin City Kitchen, you know, we just had our most recent episode at Sahara. And I'm going to film episode six tomorrow. Um, wow. So, yeah, there's just a lot going so on. So you're living a lot of people's dream. Right? <laughs> I mean, you know, there are so many people. And I think the pandemic, we've seen a lot of people go out and pursue those dreams. And with yeah. tremendous degrees of success from a lot of them. You know, last week we had, um, you know, the Gorilla Pizza guy who now has bought the Hard Hat Lounge, right? And yeah. he was he just started making pizzas, you know, kind of because he was looking for something to do. Um, right. So, you know, we've had, we've had a lot of people do that. It's, though... It's so tough. And I'm sure there are so many people out there saying, like, how the hell could I get into that? Um, do you credit your ability to do the writing and cookbook writing, which is a unique art in and of itself? And a lot of chefs can't write their own cookbooks. So yeah. was it the writing that was really the main thing that got you into it? Or was it your your love of being in front of a crowd and cooking and presenting your dishes? Which do you think was really the, the, the integral part of getting you into this? That's a really great question. I always say that it's my business background. I mean, I'm, I'm just a hustler to the core. Like, and I, 20 years in sales, I'm not afraid to talk to anybody. And, um, you know, it's, it's table stakes to cook good food. You know, if you don't cook good food, especially in this town, you're not going to make it anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think that I'm just fearless when it comes to talking to people, networking, asking people about what they do. And before they know it, they're asking what I do. And it's just, it's more of a sense of community to try to help people and talk to people. I really think I want to get on the speaker circuit. I'm not exactly how, sh how to do that. So if, any, if anybody <laughs> listening, um, I, I would really like to be able to talk about, you know, having inspiration for my story. I mean, this truly is my second act. Um, but I would say it's, it's a fearlessness. It is a, a willingness to do things for free. I mean, and, you know, am I in this to make a bunch of money? Sure, that'd be nice. Am I a ham and I love to be in front of the camera? Absolutely. I started acting when I was like, you know, three years old. I was starting in plays. So I love doing that. That's super fun for me. I feel like I can reach a lot more people than if I just had a brick and mortar restaurant. Um, media is a big way that I do that. 
but a lot at the end of the day, it's it's trying not to say no. It's trying to find a way to make things work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll you know, Taste Collective is is a is a or Tasting Collective is is a good example of that. I had a friend um, who was a member of that organization, which is kind of like a dinner club. She took me to one, and she's like, you know, you should do these. You should hook up with these guys. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it's just like you know, they came calling, and you know, I might be doing one either in October or November. Um, and it's like you know, hey, sure. I'll, I'll find a way to, to partner with a local chef that has a venue and, and make that work and bring in the right people. Yeah. So. Well, you know, I, I like that you say just n- never saying no, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's counterintuitive to a lot of people. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, I want to make sure I get paid. I want to make sure I get this. I want to make sure yeah. I get everything that I wanted. I personally came from, even though I was not a professional musician at any point in my life, I yeah. came through the punk rock, you know, grind, right? Where the yeah. idea is you get in the van, you drive overnight, you don't know how many people are going to be in the club. There uh-huh. may be seven of them there when you get there and that's it and you play your ass off for them and you thank somebody for the opportunity and you know you say fuck you a lot because you're a punk rocker but you know you are you're grateful and you do pretty much whatever is offered to you and you know so sometimes when people look at me and they're like well why are you over there why are you over there I'm like because they asked (laughs) and I said yes you know and I think that that's really when you're trying to create something from the ground up it's it's vital that you just sort of be out in the community because this especially in Las Vegas we have such a community that likes to support each other right and if you're willing to go out and support other people's events, you'll find that most of them are willing to turn around and support your events. That's been my experience. Has that been yours? It has been my experience, and people are just so giving. You know, and I have friends, you know, one friend in particular always says, gosh, I feel like I'm always giving you work because she keeps giving me these ideas and I keep doing them. And I had one friend who said, you know, you should go be involved in First Friday because First Friday is super cool and the Arts District is coming up. And, you know, so I found a brewery. I did kind of like an happy hour concept there. And, and um, I don't want to say it, it failed miserably. <laughs> it just wasn't well attended, you know. Right. And it was more of a pop-in type of situation. It wasn't ticketed. I didn't want to do ticketed because I wanted to capture the people that were just coming in the door. Now, is my brand associated with beard? No, but I wanted to try something different. And it was recommended to me. And it was a really cool experience right across from Todd English's hotel. So I was like, well, at least I'm next to Todd English. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> me and Todd so, share yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. How frequently do you do your pop-ups? And actually, what do you have coming up? Yeah, um, so I am doing, uh, on average, about three a month. You know, the next one, uh, Vegas Valley Winery, is is uh, this Saturday. We've got another happy hour coming uh, here at the winery on December 2nd. Um, the thing that I'm most proud of that I'm really excited about is um, Global Entrepreneurship Week, which I'm not too sure if you're familiar with it. But I am not. <laughs> it is in its 15th year globally, and it is Las Vegas's first opportunity to participate in that week, which is between... November 14th and uh, November 20th. And so we are, I am hosting essentially the, the kickoff party at Sahara for Global Entrepreneurship Week um, at Casbar, which is their beautiful lounge. And um, it's going to be my food uh, paired with um, some of the our, our local beverage producers. So, you know, we're thinking at this point, you know, maybe it's going to be Craft House, maybe it's going to be Smoke Wagon, you know, a couple of the, the big success stories from here in town, you know, featuring their brands and talking about their path to entrepreneurship and making it in a very competitive business and really celebrating and setting the tone for that week. So there's going to be events all throughout the week, all different venues. Um, so it's going to be a, a really, really exciting time for Vegas, considering it's, it's our first time for participating. So, Very cool. Yeah. Um, well, I look forward to that. Hopefully I'll attend um, yes. and check out what you're doing. Who's your target audience then? Is it is it the corporate things that bring you in? Are you going for foodies particularly? Are you going for home cooks who may know you from your cookbook writing? Um, you know, who, who are you? 
you targeting when you do these events? Yeah, I, I would definitely say it's foodies. And I'm all over all the Facebook groups that are Vegas foodie driven. Um, you know, and but I will say that I am I'm more Rachel Ray, you know, than I am Giada, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm more I come up through the scrappy, like, you know, here's how you do something at home. And I think people that like my cooking and love to read my cookbooks is because, yeah, I've got some things that are pretty overly engineered, but for the most part, they're super easy. And these are people that don't really cook a lot. You know, I've got DINK stands for dual income, no kids. So I like recipes for two. That's kind of what I'm known for. But it's not just demographics of couples. Um, it is roommates. It's empty nesters. It's, hey, uh, you know, I'm taking care of an aging parent. And I just don't want to, I don't go to Costco. It's like, I, I, I mean, I go to Costco for my events to be mm-hmm. able to shop, but I have, I never had a Costco membership coming up. I've to, never had one myself. People you know, look at me like I'm insane. I'm like, I can't, I, I, I was a fresh and easy guy, right? Where you yeah. go and you, remember when that chain was here in yeah. Las Vegas and you could go and you could pick up exactly enough to pick up, you know, one meal for two people. And that, that's the way that I like to shop, you know? Well, and my, part of my platform too is no food waste. And so I really think that portions are out of control in this country. I think that cookbook authors a lot are to blame because every cookbook, every recipe is written for six to eight servings. Mm-hmm. And then the average household in America, according to the most recent census, I believe is 2.51 people and it's only going down. So that means that unless you are really intentional about meal planning, um, you have way more food for each recipe that you're making than you ever need. And portions in this country are just out of control. So I, I just... I'm doing my part to kind of put a stop to that. And, um, you but are the yeah. anti-buffet. Yeah, I'm the anti-buffet. Nothing against Costco because I shop there now because I need to for my events. I buy in bulk a lot, you know, and through Restaurant Depot and stuff like that. But, um, but no, I mean, these are people who follow me that are looking for a way to cook differently. They've cooked for armies and now there's just two of them. And it's like, well, how do I do that? Like, how do I make it tasty? And how do I, how do I shop for today? you know, and, and not, you know, worry so much about meal planning and, you know, all that horse crap. Very cool. Well, I look forward to attending some of your events. I know I've been trying to get to them for a while. Sure I really now. wanted to get to your Sahara event. I did. Yeah. Went back and forth with the folks at the Sahara. I'm so sorry I didn't make it, but um, I will be at one soon. I promise you. In the meantime, if people want to see your recipes, they want to follow you, they want to know where you're going to be, yes. hit me with all of it. What's your website? What's your socials? What's all that fun Thank stuff? you. All my socials are Dink Cuisine. Uh, so I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram at Dink Cuisine. Um, most people actually follow me, just Alicia Chevatone on Facebook. Um, but a lot of people just find out where I'm going to be through my website, uh, dinkcuisine.com backslash events. And that's where all my recipes are, my cookbooks, um, a lot of my media. I also have a YouTube channel. So everything that I do between Sin City Kitchen and More Show is on my YouTube channel, which is also Dink Cuisine. Cool. We'll give my best to everybody over at the More Show. I love those guys, um, especially Mike Davis. I mean, I, I don't want to him. pick a favorite, but Mike is my man. And I <laughs> think he's the hardest working journalist in this town now that Robin Leach is no longer with us. That guy is at every. <laughs> Thing. And I'm at a lot of things, and he's at a lot more than me. So tell him I said hi. It's great to see you. Thanks for coming on and doing the podcast. And um, yeah, I'll see you soon at one of your events. Thanks, Al. It's great to be here. Thank you. So thanks to Alicia. And now, Gemini, you got a conversation for us. I do. I talked to Nina at Forte Tapas, the Bulgarian tapas place over at Rainbow and Flamingo. They are usually closed on Sunday Mondays, but starting this Sunday, October 2, the space will open with a new chef operating his own menus under a different name two days a week. 
So how does that work? I got the full story from soon-to-be chef-in-residence Josh Bianchi and Forte Tapas owner Nina Manchev. We're starting a very exciting series uh, called the Forte and Friends Chef Residencies. Vegas is very popular for its musical residency and performance residencies, and I think uh, the chefs are performers on their own and very passionate about what they do, and we're happy to provide a space uh, to grow different ideas and, and uh, community within Las Vegas. How did that come to you? What made you decide to do this? So, I mean, we've been we've been around for 13 years. We started doing, you know, chef takeovers back in 2012. But, you know, once they're done, they're done. And uh, we kind of move on. I have so much space here that is not used. And uh, we thought this would be a great way to highlight creative people who are trying to expand and uh, grow their community and their followers and showcase uh, their creativity and, and uh, you know, their life force, what they're passionate about and uh, develop it into something big. That's awesome. So my understanding is you're currently open from noon to 10, Tuesday through Saturday. Yeah, we just started opening for, for lunch and we uh, were closed Sundays and Mondays. So Chef Josh is gonna join on October 2nd with his concept and he's gonna do uh, his thing on, on Sundays and Mondays. And now we're just open for, for lunch 12 to 10 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday. Lovely. And Josh, welcome. Hi, thank you. Uh, what is your concept? Is it stuff we've seen before? Is it something new? Um, some things will be, some things I did down, downtown. Um, it will be a set menu. I won't be changing it every week like I was before. Uh, I have been working on a couple of new things. Uh, I got some, got a couple of new breads I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be um, doing. <clears throat> got a sourdough and, and um, a couple of new starters I've been working on. Uh, a couple of new dish, new, um, Appetizer dishes, same concept. I'll be doing probably a few pastas, a lot of vegetables, a couple desserts. So I have a set menu, but then I will also run uh, a couple specials every week. Awesome. And yeah. so are you starting with both lunch and dinner, just dinner? It's going to be just dinner to start, and we'll see what the uh, turnout is like, and then maybe we move into a brunch, and we'll just go from there, see how see many people come out. That's great. Yeah. And so you're going to be doing this for how long? So we'll start October 2nd up and through December. Okay, through yeah, the whole month? We talk about the holidays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll be rolling out through through the holiday season. Tell me a little bit more about why you personally want to drive something like this. I mean, I feel I feel a very close connection to it. I, I mean, I, I feel I feel so blessed over the years being able to do what, what I love to do and, you know, uh, have the opportunity to try different things and if they work they work if they don't they don't and also work with amazing people and that's been the best part of of this business for me a lot of chefs out there they don't get to express what their true passions are and they have to you know perform for other people with nothing nothing is wrong with that but it's inspiring to be able to welcome someone in and and for them to share what they're passionate about I think ultimately this is a great chance for Josh to, you know, showcase his cuisine, which is so beautiful. And um, talking to him briefly, he values pretty much the same things that we value. It's it's honoring, you know, your heritage, honoring your family. I think his, it, you said your concept was based on on your father, right? Yeah. And kind of yeah. honoring yeah. honoring who he was. So uh, it's a great way for everyone to share their stories and help each other grow. Uh, I'll be I'll be here Sundays and Mondays as well, helping out, of course. So I would love to see where this concept takes us. 
Well, I know family is a big thing for you. We're sitting in your family-owned restaurant, um, which I am lucky to be able to say I've been here since almost day one. Um, so with family being such a core part of that, do you mind telling us a little bit more, Josh, about why this is reminiscent of something that would, would be related to your dad? The name of the restaurant, when it does happen, will be called Binky's. And, and I'm still trying to get used to that name. Because um, so people say Binkies, that was, that was Binkies, <laughs> and I said the same thing to my dad. He passed away 20 years ago. And one of the last conversations we had, he said that if you ever open anything, you got to name it Binkies. I'm like, what the hell is Binkies? He goes, well, Binkies was my name. He was a principal and a teacher, and he would get all of his staff together on a weekly basis, and he would take them to like a little cafe or bistro, and it was called the Italian Delight, and it eventually became Binkies. They just named it that, and that's what they, his nickname became. It's hard for me to put a description on like the type of food. I do do a lot of pasta, but I guess it'd be more American Italian because my background and all the different places I've worked throughout my career is been like American, French, Italian, worked then a little bit of Asian. And I'm trying to take all the techniques I've learned over the years and just like kind of focus on um, just really good ingredients and just keeping it as simple and to the point as much as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Nina, you had mentioned to me um, earlier, before we started recording, what I now have in my head is the three C's. So community, collaboration, and connection. I think those are very important pillars in any industry, but especially in uh, the restaurant industry. And it's so easy to just kind of put your head down and stick to what you're doing. And uh, we've, we've never been about, uh, I guess, the money element of it. I think for me, it's very important when the customer comes in forming some sort of connection and, and seeing what what they like and uh, and and building the relationship and then you know our community is based on that and I think it's growing so much especially in like the last couple years where uh, people are coming together and through COVID you know you, the, the restaurant industry isn't the same anymore and uh, people are looking for more of that connection and and we can grow together through collaboration Absolutely. Like everybody has something to offer and I've, I've never I've never competed with anybody. If someone's doing something, I'm always happy for them and I always want to see them grow and 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 be the best possible person that they can be and 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 express themselves as much as possible because, you know, I've I've been given I've been given that grace through life and, uh, you know, you make mistakes, you, you, you fix them, you move on. But it's 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 tough to do everything by yourself. And I think. Uh, I think the more we all work together, the more industry and the more uh, experiences we can create well, that speak I, to people in a different way, right? Because yeah, I do Eastern European cuisine and, and that sort of thing. Josh does Italian cuisine, American Italian cuisine, which I think all falls in line with what we're doing here. And I remember when we were doing the photo shoot, um, Josh started throwing the stuff away. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, well, it's all cold. And I'm like, well, that's the best for me. That's the best <laughs> marker of like if something is actually good. So I, I tried everything, and it is it's, it's just it's just beautiful. It's just simple food, amazing ingredients, all fresh, handmade. And he was talking about you know he does these pasta kits, and we're even talking about doing like small cooking classes here led by him. So it's a great way for people to meet the person behind the vision, and 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 form that relationship, and then you know be a good starting point for whatever Josh decides to do in the future because yeah. he deserves he deserves this moment. Absolutely. I mean, I don't mind sitting Thanks. here and being a fangirl for the both of you. I mean, yeah. as you know, you and I have built a friendship over the past six or seven or eight years. 
Um, and, you know, I, I honestly don't know you as well, Josh, but we have worked together before, and I've really always enjoyed that. You are very passionate. You're very open about what you want to do and how you want to take all of those concepts and bring that to the table. Um, you'll serve personally. You'll serve family style. Um, if something needs to be adjusted, you adjust it. If you need to make something new, you make something new. Um, with something like that, and I like how you bring in the more, again, you're bringing it back to family. You're bringing it back to homemade stuff. You're bringing it back to more of a communal table. Mm -hmm. um, what do you see the the best part of this being for you, Josh? Um, it's, like, it's like Nina was saying. It's like, I think working together and her giving me this opportunity to work to do my thing in an established operation already um, is what really excites me about it. It helps me grow what I'm trying to do. And if it does take off, um, we are we have talked about doing pizzas up here, which I think would be really exciting. Yeah. Eventually getting a wood-burning pizza oven. We'll see how it goes. Um, so that's also on the table, I think, eventually. But yeah, I think the biggest thing is just the opportunity to kind of like do my thing and it's just me in here doing my food, cooking. So again, Forte Tapas will become Binkies on Sundays and Mondays with Chef Josh Bianchi doing it all. It will open for dinner at 4 p.m. on Sunday and 5 p.m. on Mondays. And a reminder, if you're going for Forte's own menu, you can go from 12 p.m. to 10 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday. It's news time. On the way, this is Food and Loathing. October is Pride Month, at least in Las Vegas, because we love our LGBTQ plus community yeah, so damn much yeah. that we celebrate them for a second time when the temperatures aren't too hot for outdoor parades and such. And in keeping with the celebration, several local establishments are doing Pride cocktails. Yes! The House of Blues restaurant has rolled out three Pride cocktails that they'll be serving for the entire month and donating $2 from each purchase price to the LGP, excuse me, let me try that again, and I don't, you don't even have to cut that out, Rich, but it would just be the LGBTQIA plus Center of Nevada, which many of us just call the center because, honestly, it's yeah. easier than trying to keep track of what new letters We're have We're running been out of letters. Yes. And look, I believe in all your letters, and I support all your letters, but sometimes I forget some of them. Anyway, they do great work over there. I know Jason Harris frequently organizes holiday meals over there. It's a great organization. And here's the House of Blues director of Restaurant Operations, Jeff Ansel, talking about why they chose the center. We were just trying to find uh, a way to celebrate uh, Pride Month here in Las Vegas, and we just wanted to find a good cause. We thought that we could um, have the most positive impact with working with the center. And if you're interested in getting one of those cocktails, their names are the Mermaid Mimosa, the Pink Man, and the Death Drop. You can go in and research what's in each of those. Also, Batilia in Green Valley Ranch has some pride-themed cocktails. The Elix Butterfly, the Porn Star Martini, and the Casino Royale, they're all going to be available all month for 16 bucks. No word on the ingredients or what they're supporting with them, but I'll try to get more info on that. The inventor of the cronut, Dominique Ansel, is coming to Caesar's Palace. The James Beard award-winning pastry chef will open Dominique Ansel Las Vegas, which will debut October 21st, adjacent to the Gordon Ramsay Pub. And if cronuts ain't your thing, he's created a collection of Vegas-exclusive items he calls the Lucky Seven. Lucky Penny Pig, the Ladybug, the Goldfish, the Four-Leaf Clover, the Fortune Cookie, the Feather, and the Evil Eye Eclair. Just do a damn donut. I'll spare you the ooey-gooey <laughs> details on each of them, but they do sound likely enough to satisfy any sweet tooth. Quick note, did you know that he won one of Time's Best Inventions of the Year in 2013 for the Cronut? 
Well, good for him. <laughs> yeah. That is about it for this week. Thank you to everyone who spoke with us. Uh, Hussein Marus, Chris Gutierrez, Joe Valdez, Jeff Breslin, Alicia Shevatone, um, Josh Bianchi, Nina Manchev. If I forgot anybody, thank you also. Please tell a friend about Food and Loathing, which is available anywhere you listen to podcasts, and spread the word on social media. Just search for Food and Loathing. If you have a question or comment, reach us direct by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you want to find me anywhere, I'm all over the socials at Wishbone and Vine. If you haven't done it yet, download the Neon Feast app. Use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, whatever you want, find it at Neon Feast. And if you're more about the laptop than the phone, neonfeast.com is your salvation. And if having me in your ears ain't enough, I can get right up in your face every other Wednesday on the CW Las Vegas at approximately 8.15 a.m. I'll also be on KTNV's Morning Blend sometime in the next week or so talking bagels, and you can catch me all week long in the Neon Feast foodie updates on the Vibe. 99.7 in Las Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, 98.9 at the river, and every Thursday morning around 8.10 a.m. I am on the club at AM 670 KMZQ. With Samantha Gemini Stevens and producer Rich Johnson, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Hey.